0: Welcome back, Red Spotters. Not in the Red Spotlight Podcast, I'm your host today, Alexis J. Soto, joined by Mr. Peter Martinez and David Francisco. Back here, episode 273. Continuing our horror themed month, this is going to be our review of The Haunting of Blind Manor, which is a Netflix original series, uh, the antholo- anthology haunting series we did the first season which was hill house a few weeks back uh to a lot of great fanfare here we you know loved it universally across the board and of course bly manor dropped on netflix this past weekend and here we are uh reviewing all nine episodes um for bly manor uh at this point i am going to toss it over to peter martinez who is our wonderful narrator in uh, c- uh catching us all up on what exactly this show is um which is i believe uh pulled from different works at least where blind manor was inspired from different works from henry james
1: I would still say inspired as well, although this story sticks a little more closely than um, a "Haunting" did of Hill House. So, the haunting of Bly Manor. This uh, description is brought to you by Litterboxed with where their uh, their slogan is: "If it's here, you're damn sure it's a movie." Okay.
0: The slogan, which, by the way, is currently in court uh, and being challenged, by the way, so that's not necessarily the case. We have to be transparent about our sponsor currently Uh, in court being sued for that particular uh, tagline. The
1: Supreme Court will rule in their favor. Don't worry. After an au pair's tragic death, Henry Ringrave hires a young American nanny to care for his orphaned niece and nephew who reside at Bly Manor with the estate's Chef Owen, groundskeeper Jamie, and housekeeper Miss Gross. But all is not as it seems at the manor, and centuries of dark secrets of love and loss are waiting to be unearthed in this chilling gothic romance. At Bly Manor, dead doesn't mean gone. So. (laughs) 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 The haunting of Bly Manor. Uh technically maybe but not really somewhat of a follow-up to the haunting of hill house Uh, written and only directed for the first little chunk of it by um
0: mike flanagan Uh, well just to be clear uh Mm -hmm. You're right, but just to you know, drive that emphasis on Mike Flanagan is the creative force, otherwise known as the showrunner, which is what uh, a television show's mm-hmm. equivalent to a director is, of the creative uh, mm-hmm. control of the series. Okay,
1: because when I look at the, under the crew, under, uh, as you would, <laughs> under Letterboxd, it has writer and producer and
2: director <laughs> Well, my...
1: but I don't see showrunner
0: well that's why uh, you know letterbox is a little iffy and that's why they're currently being sued because that is a little bit of a what mm-hmm. would you call it uh, false advertising because this is a television show right okay. and television shows but I mean are as we know they will, they will
1: win that case so um, all's well in love and war as I was saying <laughs> the haunting of Blind Manor it is very different the haunting of hill house flanagan's previous work Uh, i i kind of don't want to go first as far as discussing it i don't i don't know if i could throw it back to you guys
0: well uh i I, we'll have plenty of time to hash that out but Mm -hmm. i guess is it do you think that's relevant to start first off with the reception, as far as how people are reacting to this, or do you, is that better? Well, oh, safe see, that's the thing, the though.
1: I felt like if I if I talk about the reception, I'm going to have to talk about how I feel.
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest with you, um, and I don't know if you feel this way, Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I don't know how we're all going to fall along these lines uh, with how we what we thought of this season. I want to say first and foremost, Alexis Moreno, uh, was supposed to be on here. She really wanted to be on this, uh, episode, but unfortunately there were scheduling conflicts and her workload has been, uh, swamped lately. So she, uh, she's not here. She's not dead.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say something, but I, yeah, I thought they would go too far. (laughs) I was going to say she drowned in a lake, but then, uh, (laughs) oh my God,
0: God. (laughs) no that's not what happened uh she really wanted to be here but things have um unfortunately gotten away from her so she's working on that right now uh so covering that uh, in case people were wondering where's alexis moreno and it's like and we we, imagine if we went the entire recording never addressed her absence that would be she uh, was never here (laughs) yeah she never was uh the entire time um Okay, I'm going to see if I can sum it up as concise as I can about what I thought about this. Mm-hmm. Overall, I kind of loved it, not without its, I would say, noticeable drawbacks if you're going to directly compare this to Hill House. mm mm-hmm. Which I and I have to say this, you know, because we, we we have a history on this podcast and we're reviewing follow-ups in the franchise or something about um uh you know, comparing it immediate to its immediate predecessor and I've gone on the record as saying, well and others have gone on the record as saying, well, it's not really fair. And I get that, and I've said that, and then I also feel, and others feel like, well, you can't help because you're trying to gauge how well this one was, and you look at the other thing. Um, It is a weird, I think, combination. I think there are spots where this kind of exceeded Hill House in terms of emotion, perhaps. And I think there was clearly a tonal difference between hill house and and blind manor Um, in particular i would say the endings were very different i think in tone uh with uh with what they were going for i feel and again i say that not i think as a criticism but just as a clear you know thing that was different between the two of them um my issues i think with Overall, I enjoyed the characters, I enjoyed the performances, all of the wonderful horror theatrics of what there was, Uh, the aesthetic, the music was great as always, I think the direction for the most part was good. I think the parts where the season kind of suffered was perhaps between episodes two and three or two and four, where um, it felt as if there were noticeable pacing issues um i felt myself i think in episode 3 or 4 i can't remember which one getting a little um wondering okay what's happening here where are we going with this and so it felt perhaps maybe in one of the episodes i can't recall which one it felt as if um not much of note was occurring um and that was the moment where i began to feel hmm it's interesting usually a lot more would have happened by now but then not long after things are set in motion and we get to the inevitable places where all the crazy batshit insane things happen and so i think on that level um it delivered uh at least for me, anyway, on an entertaining standpoint, uh, a lot of the crazy, fun things that were revealed later on. So I think it still had that magic, uh, at least for me, that you know I felt with Hill House. Um, ultimately, they're very different stories. This is kind of a love story, and uh, you know, for this being a horror-oriented series, it, it may have been more appropriate to have this on Valentine's Day. Of course, it's kind of a sad love story, so there's that. <laughs> but ultimately, it is emotional. It is beautiful. And I am overwhelmingly uh, just in awe of the things that, you know, Mike Flanagan can produce, um, even when it's not his personal touch, but obviously him guiding the creative force of it. <laughs> I will say, I think, and this is unfair, I think, for me to say, but I will just will say it. The biggest, um, I think, the hardest thing for me is that I am just. As much as I, I think the series was successfully able to make me care about these characters, I can't say that they were able to make me care about them as much as Hill House and that wonderful ensemble made me care about all of them. And that may just be coming down to a personal preference of you know what it is, but... Um, if the question is was there a noticeable deficiency in quality i don't think there was aside from maybe perhaps the fact that flanagan didn't direct every episode and didn't write every episode i think you know we didn't i think anticipate that and peter had told me that he didn't know that until like an hour before and he was like oh no where are we going with this and perhaps there may have been some uh sacrifices that were made because of that but overall I was happy with how this series ended um, and happy in terms of the quality. Of course, just the ending was very sad. So I I hope that made things clear <laughs> to an extent. David, clear. you want to go next?
2: Uh, I
1: don't know if it was concise, <laughs> but you, you kind of hated it. So David, what did you think?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Uh, uh, no, I agree with a lot of what Alexa said. Um, I really did like, did like the show and all um ultimately i did enjoy hill house better um but that's mostly because um again like like i said like the first few episodes i really had no idea as to where it was this show was going like it wasn't until i don't know maybe five or six where it just kind of like it completely switched and i went okay it popped after yeah that. it really popped and i knew it like okay this is kind of where we're going it's like, I, I finally know the mystery of the show almost. Whereas, like, in the beginning of Hill House, like, you know exactly, like, okay, this is what we're trying to figure out. This is what we're going to lead to and all that. And that was the best thing about Hill House. Uh, What I think maybe I did enjoy a bit more in Blind Manor uh, is that I actually do enjoy the characters in this one more, actually.
0: Wrong. Okay. Yeah,
2: especially, like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, Mike Flanagan, he did it again. Where he just got great casting <laughs> in this, especially like, oh, especially yeah. the kids in the show. Oh my god, they're great. And and I mean, like, yeah, I, I guess I kind of just and I did just enjoy the ending too. Uh, again, it was it was sad, but I think it was that's kind of necessary for the show. <laughs> okay.
1: So that's interesting. you took a a more uh, what do you call it complex approach rather to when compared to Alexis's you know brutal bashing that he gave blind <laughs> manner It's interesting <clears throat> uh, <laughs> uh, see if anyone out there is listening to this. What you don't get who enjoy about these things, which for me is half the fun of making them, is whenever I make comments like that, the look on (laughs) Mr. Alexis Soto's face is worth every second of it. Oh my god. It's hilarious. Very, very funny. Um...
0: (laughs) He's doing it right now!
1: Okay. So, how did I feel about the haunting of Bly Manor? Um. Accents. A lot of accents. Uh, Be warned. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm British. Oh, it's Scottish. I can't do accents. Uh, Like Mr. Alexis Soto had said, I had not known that he had only directed uh, basically one-eighth of *Blind Manor before going into watching it, and it got me just a little, well, oh, one night, and it got me very, very worried. Cause, but then I thought about it, and then I realized it kind of makes sense. But it still he was kind of working me.
0: on something else, right? Uh, at the same time as this.
1: Yes, but. Going back and listening, because I did listen to a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff and a lot of interviews with Mike Flanagan. And if you've ever heard him talk about making Hill House, he talks as if he's a war veteran. Like, (laughs) Hill House very much was his Vietnam. Um, He says how like beforehand he always thought it would be great to do something like this. And as they were in the writing process, they just started like, what if we do this? And what if we throw in this? And he's like, you know, everything, basically everything he ever wanted to do with his career, he just thought like, hmm, we'll throw in a slice of that, you know, some of that here, another of that there. And he talks about how during the filming, it was like a hundred day shoot. He basically doubled his entire filming history in one shot. As far as like actively on set filming, he lost 45 pounds during the process. And, and he says this with complete sincerity because he said like a lot of people think I'm joking. I'm not joking. I think this, I thought this thing was going to kill me. Like I thought there was a good chance I was going to die making this and whenever you hear even in passing you hear him talk about it he's like it's wonderful i love it it was like some of the greatest stuff in my entire career i hope i never do it again
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> that's I mean, the way he's it, talked about it. so then, it makes a lot of sense though though real quick it makes a lot of sense because uh this is kind of why in the world of television there are showrunners who are the creative force and who head the writer's room but this is probably perhaps why they don't write and direct every single episode mm-hmm. of a TV show. Because yeah. it is a much longer production than it is filming a, a movie. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's Which like I'm an eight-hour sure movie
1: he, without you write, know, a showrunner. Right. It's it's a writer and a director, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Because he still wrote Bly Manor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just couldn't do all the directing duties. And I think I looked up who the other directors were.
0: Well, there were also all the writers. To be clear, there was a writer's room, uh, and aside from the directing of it. So,
1: well, not a writing room. He wrote it with his usual people. His people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other directors, uh, film directors, he picked.
0: I have I know one Sirian of them. Syrian Foy, huh? Syrian Foy. I'm. I have the list right here. If you <laughs> wanted to, of the directors, there's Liam Gavin. Mm-hmm uh syrian or Siron foy uh yolanda ramp and ben howling axel carolyn uh um, mm-hmm. el Katz. i don't know these names but these are the directors of the other episodes
1: they've all worked on other horror films none of them to the same level of like flanagan obviously but th- they do have a history in uh horror filmmaking I know one of them directed, like, Sinister 2. So, yeah, they they all have it. But, as, as you know, as have all, all of you said this already, it does feel different than Hill House. And I think Hill House was just... It, it was incredible, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he really did give his entire self to making that piece of art. And I think it shows. And I think that's why it stands out. Whereas with this, he definitely took a more, uh, slightly more hands-off approach. And it's different. Uh, for one, I- I'll mirror what everyone else is saying. I don't think it's as good. And I, and I do feel, and yes, I'll say it. I feel if he directed the entire thing, it would have been better because there Can are I just
0: say real quick though, Peter, to give, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't want to cut you off, but mm-hmm. this is important about the production. You, you always so say I'm it, reading then you do, So it's okay. But it's important though. Uh, so, and I, I, get to do it cause I'm hosting here. Okay. So sit back a little bit. So the haunting of blind <laughs> manor entered production, September 30th, 2019. Um, Dr. Sleep wasn't in theaters until November. And I would assume he would still be editing that movie or in some kind of a post-production job, uh, In September of 2019, if not most of October. And the production didn't wrap until the 21st of February. So uh, I can kind of see with that calendar and that that, that's just production. That doesn't include pre-production. Why uh, Flanagan was not able, like physically able to just do the entire thing.
1: And then also Um, writing, right? Because it seems like with with Hill House, you know, he had all the, not all the time in the world, but he... He was devoted to this, and it was all about making this work. You know, writing, directing, everything. Boom! All of himself thrown into it. Whereas with with Bly, that was with Hill House with Bly Manor. It's uh, one I know how difficult it is, and I kind of never want to do that again. You know, I'll definitely write, but I don't have as much time to write, and I don't. Not only do I have a shorter amount of time, but I have a much much busier guy. I can direct, but I can only direct, uh, I don't know, just barely anything <laughs> of it. So, you know, gonna have to bring other people in to, to direct the rest. So, yeah, I think when you put that all together, obviously it's not going to be as good, uh, piece of art, I feel. I think that's, that's going to be, up. and he, he even, he tweeted... That when Hill House dropped, he was on set filming Dr. Sleep. And when Bly Manor dropped, he's currently on set again filming probably another film. I don't know what, though. Uh, He's busy. Yeah, he's a busy, busy boy. And for good reason. I, I want to see more of his shit. So, But I will say, I did enjoy... Bly Manor. And I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, by the end, it did emotionally hit me somewhat. And it le- it left a mark on me for some time afterwards mm-hmm. that I saw it. And I thought, you know, I, to do that, <laughs> it it, it ob- is obviously something uh, that's not easy, so to speak. You know, that's that's kind of the goal of art, but it's not, that's the hardest part as well. It's definitely different. A lot of people have said like, well, the Hill House was a gothic horror and Blind Manor is a gothic romance. Yes, mm-hmm. I would agree. And again, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that it didn't come back and try to replicate what Hill House was. I appreciate that it went in a completely different direction and tried to be its own thing. And it its successes, when the successes that are there I feel are much greater because of that. And I also feel that the negatives that are there are a bit more forgiving because, again, they did try to do something unique and not just replicate the same thing. Uh, We'll obviously get into it more as we discuss everything, but there are instances within the show where I felt like, yeah, if, if Flanagan were directing this whole thing, I feel like this... Would have been portrayed better, or this could have been done slightly better. So yeah, I I do feel if he had just directed the whole thing, it would be better. And I'm and I might point to a few things here and there.
2: The the only th- I feel the only thing though involvement. the yeah. o- <laughs> the only thing though that um so him directing all of Hill House, I th- mm-hmm. the thing though is I feel like that kind of affected the ending. Of Hill House because he directed the entire thing,
0: and I feel like that would have happened the
2: same thing with Blind Manor because you said in uh, Hill House review mm -hmm. that he that he wanted to change the ending because he loved these characters too much, and I think he finally I was thinking the same mm -hmm, thing too like him directing Hill House like he finally connected with these characters on a deeper level because he's like seeing the entire process probably editing editing at the same time or something, and like. Like he's seeing in his head, like, oh my gosh, these characters are great. Like, his work come to life. And I feel and I think that was that is a one good thing about the him, not everything all Bly Manor, is because who knows what he could have done differently once he like
0: sees the process. That is one of I th- I feel one of the things that I've noticed on social media over the weekend when it came to people talking about uh the differences between manor and house. And I feel, and honestly, I think maybe perhaps from a more thematic standpoint, Blind Manor might have had the better ending than Hill House. I agree. Is that kind of where you're going with David? Yeah, yeah? I agree
2: with that. The, the ending. I still love the ending of Hill House, obviously, but I do agree yeah. with what Peter said, though, is that it kind of did seem it went to a different direction than what was intended. And with but with Blind Manor, though. It makes complete sense where
0: it ended. <laughs> it's also, like I mentioned earlier, just completely tonally different. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Hill House, it is, I think, overwhelmingly uh, a sense of joy. Um, here, there's an overwhelming sense of melancholy. It's bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know... I think, go ahead. That Well, I
1: just to what David said, I think that runs on the... You run on the assumption that... Uh, <laughs> Mike Flanagan would have changed the ending. Uh, I don't. I, neither of us can know for sure. If, yeah. You know. Right. Maybe he would have changed the ending. I have a sneaking suspicion he wouldn't have though. But that's mm. just me. I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean,
1: neither of us can ever know.
2: I'll be honest, like I just—I'm literally just finding out about this that he didn't direct the entire uh, show. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And so, like, when I was first watching it, I didn't really notice much differences in direction or in cinematography or anything like that so i'm i don't know <laughs> uh
1: no visually i think it's still beautiful yeah it it absolutely is like i said there's just small things here and there how things are shown or how they're not shown that I'm like, I feel like he would have done this differently. Mm-hmm. Because what's so great about Flanagan is he has an eye for visuals. There, yeah. There's so, so much of the time, it, I feel like he could adapt anything visually. Simply because there's so many stories where I'm like, this sounds stupid. I don't think visually it would work. And he's able to make it work. Mm -hmm. And there are a few things within the show that I think, and by the way, the show is absolutely beautiful, but there are a few things visually within the show that don't quite work. And I feel like he absolutely would have made them work. So I don't think it's his doing that make them not work.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So, yeah. But overall, I got it. Like, yeah, I did. I'll be honest. I did really like Blind Manor. Yes, I did. I really did.
0: Yeah I think across the board that uh that feeling and I I also uh I want to Do a little bit of community service here and defend Peter uh, (laughs) because I feel like, um, and I don't think he's intending for it to come across this way, but I I know that some people who would listen would think like, well, Peter is an apologist for Mike Flanagan and everything because like, well, of course it wasn't as good because he didn't do everything. Peter isn't above criticizing anybody. And of course, Peter criticized heavily the ending of Hill House as well as the ending of Dr. Sleep. So um, it's not as if they're like Flanagan is above – criticism here, but your I think your point is well taken that he is a far more skilled director when it comes to I feel the particular things that you're referring to uh that uh clearly were just not I think what we're used to from his work. Um it, it's interesting I, I feel and, and I want to get I wanna maybe take this opportunity to allow you guys to help steer the conversation about where first to start unpacking this. Mm-hmm. Cause there's so many different directions from the actual plot itself, to the cast of the characters, as well as like this whole thing of the fact that um, there weren't as many, quote-unquote scares and how people are interpreting that and hmm. you know infusing that into the review there was this ridiculous review from the telegraph that i shared with you guys over the weekend i don't know what the fuck happened to this critic can't believe he's even called himself a critic but like he opened his review with it, with it saying that blind manner is nowhere near as scary as real life so fuck this show and i i Couldn't believe what I was reading. Remember that review? God, I
1: I almost (laughs) cut myself on the edge. So fucking edgy. I. uh, Did
0: you not read that, David? You didn't read that review?
2: No, I did not. (laughs) What the heck?
1: It's it's so. It's like if I'm gonna (laughs) review, I don't know, like a football game, and I start off like, first of all, football is stupid. Sports is stupid. Why do you throw a football back and forth? It makes no sense. So anyway, let me review this football game.
0: <laughs> this is what it said here. This is what it says here. Uh, quote, unquote. I am no horror fan. I am quite frightened enough in and by real life. Thank you. And I stumble to over the large obstacle presented by the fact that ghosts and their ilk, in all caps he says here, do not exist, therefore cannot be scary. The horror of humanity begins a long way before man's worst efforts. The supernatural doesn't even make it over the fear horizon. Halloween is the most boring time of the year. This is a real reveal.
1: <laughs> it's like the dude had an axe to grind. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe, I don't know what was going on, maybe at the workplace. Like... <laughs> He got, <laughs> How
0: does this get printed, though? How does this get... Clearly, something's wrong with this person, mm-hmm. and you print this?
1: Yeah. I <laughs> The second I'd read that from a review, it's like, okay, so I don't really care what you have to say. Mm-hmm. And then I would just click out <laughs> of reading the article, because that's just so stupid. So stupid. <laughs> I, I would imagine... If you're going to review something, I would... Un- I would at least expect you to have a base understanding of what you're reviewing. I I don't know. That's just me, right? Like if someone's like I hate books. Anyway, here's my book review. Like I, I books are stupid. Why would I read about stories when real life is a story? It makes no sense. Here's my book review. Like no, I'm not fucking reading your book review. Yeah. But to that that whole thing of oh, is it scary? Is it not scary? I mean I kind of went on a bit of a tirade <laughs> on our uh I didn't realize it, but then when listening back I was like, Oh, I kind of went on and on and on. You usually do. Well But it's yeah. fine.
0: It it's fine. It's uh, I didn't mean that in a bad way. Fire in
1: my heart and passion in my soul. I must speak. <laughs> our Your face. Our Poltergeist uh, to the table episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did kind of go into this whole thing
0: of I
1: don't judge.
0: Which, by the way, to the table, you can catch right now Poltergeist and the Sixth Sense on our feed. Go subscribe. Oh, is Sixth Sense up? Yes, it's up right
1: now. How nice. (laughs) But yeah, I kind of went on and on and on about how I don't judge horror films by how scary they are and it's weird to me it's sort of similar to the way people just judge films in general by how many plot holes they can find (laughs) like not to say that plot holes don't mean anything but that's just such a strange way to view film and like an art form Mm -hmm. and i just i can't i can't do that i don't know i how do you enjoy things that's all i that's all i ask That's all
0: I keep thinking to myself too. It's like, man, why can't you really this? uh, You clearly didn't enjoy it. And I, how could you not let yourself enjoy this is how I keep thinking back to it. Yeah. Uh,
1: Similar. Well, what I also said is how genres really don't mean anything like at all. Hmm. genres are just sort of categories we came up with to help car- compartmentalize certain stories from other stories but at the end of the day genre doesn't really mean anything just because something is under the unless label you're competing horror, for
0: awards and then you yeah don't recognize but that's why genre. that's why the awards, awards don't are bullshit. Matter. yeah right
1: but the like the genre of a film doesn't matter to me. It's a piece of art, you know. If it mm-hmm. if it mostly makes me scared, I, I I guess you could label it horror. But I kind of don't care. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. genres are just sort of ways to help us put things into boxes, basically. But we'll also just interpret um,
2: the show, yeah, or whatever. Yeah.
1: But to me, when I when I see a horror, there are plenty of horror films that are. Well, there are plenty of films that would be under the category for that. I don't necessarily find scary, but I just think are great films and I genuinely enjoy. And that to me should be the baseline category. Like, I don't know. Like what if you see a film that's labeled a comedy and maybe it doesn't make you laugh that much but it's a fantastic film with a great story and characters are you just going to go like wow this was a great film uh, but it was labeled the genre of comedy and I didn't laugh so zero stars out of five piece of shit <laughs> like no <laughs> you say it's a good it's a good film so that's that's where I'm at with Bly Manor to me it, I think it had wonderful what's the word Wonderful atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I I loved just it, it 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 was beautifully shot and the aesthetic perhaps yeah the gothic aesthetic was wonderful, and there were there was creepy and unsettling imagery that again I think was done very well. F- Flanagan has an eye for that kind of stuff. Some of it could have been done better. Mm-hmm. But it was all, most of it was done very, very well. So, yeah, this whole
2: like, but it was it scary? I don't know. I don't care. Some of it I found. And look, it also just depends on the person though too. Like I remember, yeah, I remember uh, listening to a podcast and someone said, oh, Hereditary was great. Don't call it horror though. It wasn't scary. And I was like... (laughs) that's Pitch? literally the scariest thing i've ever watched in my life what are you talking about so like some people just like they can handle horror way better than anyone else <laughs> so
1: <laughs> no oh god did they not see those
2: naked old people <laughs> holy shit <laughs> yeah, i know that's the thing it's like it it so bothers me yeah but with blind manor though like oh it, it there was a lot of like creepy stuff going on especially like with the ghosts like when you see them like you know I'm able to like I'm not like covering my eyes or anything when you see them but I'm still kind of like oh god I'm like not sleep tonight who knows
0: <laughs> yeah they're still somewhat unsettling and then also to peter's point the house is great as well like i mean if you're looking you're doing a reoccurring anthology series about these haunted houses i mean at some point you would think they'd get old but i mean it seems as if flanagan has an amazing eye for how to you know tell these distinct stories in i guess you know similar places but blind manor felt alive in a different way than hill house felt alive you know and the aesthetic of it, and I think I guess you could say even the production design to it was it was big, but it was also just um, large, ominous. Um, even in the places like the, the kitchen, like it it, it it felt like a creepy place and I, I didn't want to be anywhere near it um, <laughs> literally
1: on the grounds of that place. I will say uh, Bligh no Hill House had one big uh central stair case blind manor yes. had two big central staircases <laughs> so if they go for a third one it's gonna need to have three <laughs> big central staircases
2: well
0: he'll that is my had one only criteria staircase had one central staircase that was used again and again but there were other stairs that were used yeah but I'm yes. talking about
1: like the main entrance hall area gotcha. That's where most of the ghosts and ghoulies are at, located. But yeah, to me, it was this... this. How should I put it? Blind Manor was less interested in being scary and more about creating atmosphere. Which was like, oh, okay, cool, great. You did a good job of it. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Well, let, let's get into... The characters and this and the story itself. Hmm. Uh, Instead of following a big old family this time, I would say the main character is of course uh, Danny. That's her name, right?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Played by Victoria Pedretti, who's coming back. Uh, Last year she played, or last in Hale House she played Nell. uh, Nell, yes. Mm -hmm. And she also gets a different accent. (laughs) She does.
1: Accents galore. <laughs> that's one of the best right? parts. Like, Those English accents—they give me life. <laughs> I love it. That you know what? I'm sorry.
0: All, it wasn't all just English accents, and a oh, lot there's of them a them, Scottish. They, there's this, no, no, no. no. I, I mean, like, well, well, her accent, Danny uses is a I think a more Southern American accent, right? Yeah, that's what I picked up. Um, so there's a, a different kind, of course, with the whole the the Scottish one. It's interesting because you know it's it's kind of the reverse of what we're used to. It's not like um, we have Brits doing American accents, but we also have some Americans uh, that are doing British accents here. uh, From Henry Thomas, Mm -hmm. uh, who's coming back also in this show, playing Uncle Henry, uh, and uh, he's uh, very uh, posh—the accent that he is—and I think Mm -hmm. I I thought it was to me anyway to my ear as someone who is not a brit not an authentic brit by any means it felt it, i thought it was convincing enough i thought it would i know some people criticized his performance or his accent anyway and i'm like i i i believed it
1: i adored it cuz this is what these fucking brits get they come over here to our country and take our american jobs at every fucking show every fucking movie you know you, you, you see behind the scenes and I'll, oh you know they're there with their American accents oh here here I am and then Gwen's camera cuts oh hello mate oh how are you doing you I went that... to, to Oxford you know mm, have, turn have, it around have you Americans seen the... take their jobs
2: <laughs> have you ever seen the key and peel sketch yes, yes. <laughs> it's perfect Oh my it's God,
1: exactly it's so that great. That's exactly what I'm talking about. We turned that shit <laughs> and, you around.
0: Know, one of those people, one of those actors that comes from Britain and does American accents was actually Oliver Jackson Cohen, um, who played Luke. And he had, last year anyway, in, in Hill House, he played Luke. And in this, he played uh, Peter Quint, uh, the Scottish accent. And you'd think that he is Scottish. He actually is not. He has an English accent. He's I think from London area. And this time he's doing a Scottish accent. You see what I mean? Noticeably. <laughs> <laughs> it's like invasion
1: of the body snatchers. They just slide right in.
0: Well, I was uh, it almost feels like witchcraft. Like how do you turn that on and off? Like how do you just like like I honestly never understood how you can just completely and so convincingly like adopt the new accent.
1: By the way, I think this settles the debate once and for all, the American accent is the correct accent. Because, because it is so easy to do. It is so easy for Brits to do an American accent, but it's British accents are so hard for Americans to do. I I don't know. I feel like that means we kind of went the correct route. <laughs> Listen, I... <laughs> I criticize the United States all the time. This this is a bit of my uh, patriotism seeking leaking in, okay?
0: I also think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Jamie, the character Jamie, she, I think, had an Irish accent, if I'm not mistaken, right? Was it Irish? Or was it something else? Because it's not traditional. It's not Scottish. Or was it Scottish? I don't think it was Scottish. It's not Scottish, and it's not english but it's another one of those that's in the net really i feel i i want to say i mean it just that it stood out to me like almost like merida although like, yes, that is scottish too i don't know david do you have any uh, and you want to weigh in on these accents because
1: <laughs> carla G- Gugino sounded very
0: english uh, so. she did but that but she's the older jamie so what she switched accents? Okay, I don't know. Maybe.
2: I mean, I don't know. I. It, they all sounded good to me. <laughs> Can't really tell unless someone like, with that accent, tells me like, no, that was shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. I know the same way. So I don't know. Um, I guess people have different standards mm-hmm. on grading accents. I guess.
2: Anyway. So then. <laughs>
1: yes well before you get into that we should say that if if the last whoops if hill house was about family uh this bly Manor is very much about love stories about couples and the different types of couples that arise yeah
2: it also a lot of them it it also does hint a little bit about chosen family instead of Blood yeah family. chosen
1: family mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: and uh, that yeah. actually was something that i really liked right from the beginning of the show is that you it again even though i didn't know like where the show was going what i did like was that it was taking its time and like making you care about all of these characters and making sure that like you care about all of their connections all and, of them were connections too, too.
0: <laughs> oh my god uh, well yeah but i mean i guess that's just people in general I, I mean you're right uh from all of all of the characters to an extent i think are are pieces of that chosen family puzzle i mean it is interesting to see um in in most of the domestic scenes you have danny hannah owen and jamie and those are all very different people uh in the same room together, having a dynamic and all, acting kind of like, you know, this faculty family, you know, uh, that's one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then of course there are the more Raisin. salacious and scandalous ones, uh, <laughs> with, uh, uh, the uncle and the mom mm-hmm. and the affair and everything. Oh, by the way, we're not going to go into spoilers. So we're, we're not going to be prohibited by that. Uh, no, unless we good, already good, were good, good, good. I don't know.
1: No, I don't think we ever were. Uh, what what I love about the beginning well, you know what now let let's stay with the couple thing. There's obviously many different types of couples. Uh mm-hmm. you, you, you have with Uncle Henry, you, you know, you got the you got the cheating kind, that sort of, you know, three way scorned lover forbidden stuff. Going love, on. Forbidden mm-hmm. love. Forbidden
0: love adult, you know, that covers that ground.
1: Yeah, forbidden love. You have uh Toxic love with uh, Peter and Miss Rebecca, Rebecca Jessel. Re- Miss Rebecca. Miss what was her last Jessel, name? Rebecca J- Jessel. Rebecca. Miss Rebecca Jessel. Yes. Yes. It's more of a toxic relationship you have with Mrs. Gross. Fuck. Gross. I knew it was a. I just remembered it was a mean name, <laughs> Mrs. Mm. Gross. Hannah Gross and Owen. And Owen. You had sort of a... Un... What's the word?
0: Unrequited?
1: Yeah. Or unspoken? Not unspoken, but it'll...
0: Unconventional?
1: A love that will never be able to blossom, basically.
0: Oh. um,
1: That's, That's more of the sad one. Like, a love that never... That could have been, but never will be. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. There's probably a better word for it. Yeah. But that's what it kind of...
0: It's and, not unrequited. That's a different situation. So oh, okay. that, that was the whole... Well, th- there was one uh, with Danny's first relationship with the fiance, yeah. I guess.
1: That was... Well, we, we can get into that with Danny. Well, yeah, we'll start right there with Danny. Because Danny ultimately finds true love, even if it mm-hmm. ends up being tragic. But I really, really enjoyed her story. And her, yeah, ultimately, her and Jamie's story. Like I said, I like how in the very beginning, there's just so much weird off shit going on. And the show just kind of... um, What's the word? It doesn't address it. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. It, it like, makes it'll, you wait it'll, for just, the answer
1: stuff will happen like one of my favorites is it was probably the second episode where they drop the um the doll because they they're holding the doll that i believe is supposed to be the lady of the lake and then they drop it down the chute Hmm. and then she goes down there to get the doll and then of course you have that shot from the trailer where like someone goes like turns and looks at her as part of the dolls. And looking at the trailer, I had assumed that that was just the little girl. And, you know, maybe she had a doll mask on and then, you know, she was creeping around. But like, no, when you're watching the show, they are the only two kids that are supposed to be there. Like, who the fuck is this? And they don't even address <laughs> it. Or like when they're playing... um, Hide and seek? What were they playing? Hide and seek. Yeah. And yeah, just out of nowhere... <laughs> again from the trailer uh that like grotesque body in the back like and then the little girl just shushing her and you're like wait so like this girl is very familiar with this yeah. weird ghostly <laughs> figure and it's like nothing to her like what are these kids hiding what's going on here yeah like what it, the
2: fuck it is I, re- I like that mystery with the kids because like especially with the the brother like, mm-hmm. you can tell instantly, like, oh, he's doing everything he can to protect his sister, which is like, I, I love their relationship. Like, if they really care about one another and all that. But then he's also, you also see him like kind of turning into a little psychopath. <laughs> yeah, it'll just reason. randomly happen. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And then, but then he also tries protecting Danny, like both, mm-hmm. both the kids, cause they're like, cause of when you, when they first lock her up in the closet and you're just like, what the fuck like what are you guys doing like you yeah it? why thought, did they do that yeah but then like i got it right away once they open it and like you see the footprints and all that and i was like mm-hmm. oh, they were trying to protect her from like what though like what the
1: heck is gonna happen <laughs> if they do but that also tells you what do these kids know yes. <laughs> like what are they hiding <laughs> which is which is all great and and going back to danny her whole thing that they start off with they don't really talk about is she's it seems as if she's running away from a ghost that's chasing her Mm -hmm. you know there's this ghostly figure with bright eyes that every time she looks in a mirror she sees and she has to cover up mirrors around her and it's like this paranormal entity that's after her and she's running away from it and you're wondering like you know what is this where did it come from why is it chasing her and mm-hmm. then it isn't again till like episode four, maybe, where or maybe three, one of those, where you finally learn that that's her ex-fiance, in many more ways than one, ex <laughs> because he's dead, but also ex because she broke up with him right before he <laughs> died, yeah, and it goes into this whole thing of they were just close their entire life and it was always just assumed that they would get together and get married and have this life. Uh, and it's funny cause they never directly say it during the, sh- during, uh, the, shall we say confrontation between the two? Uh, when she breaks up with him that she's gay. Mm-hmm. And then even after that, she never breaks down and says she's gay, but you can tell everything that she's doing is because she's gay and she's sort of running away from that. And she's scared of that. And she felt she could sort of push that aside. And eventually she would feel, I guess, straight feel the (laughs) way she was supposed to feel. But once the, she gets to the point where they're going to get married, she realizes she'll never, it's not going to happen. And that leads of course to his death. And, that's such a great visual. And again, this is something that Flanagan does so well.
0: Shocking too, by the way, when that thing happened. It was like, oh, oh fuck. yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's it's something that Flanagan does so well where ghosts are not just ghosts. They represent something. and mm-hmm. And the horror kind of comes from that realization of what it actually is and what it means on a human level. And it's her guilt. Her guilt that she led to his death and then she left him brokenhearted and dead. And the and that's such a cool visual where you sort of see him with the bright eyes because that was the the uh the headlights mm-hmm. of the truck before it hit him. And the way it's not a literal ghost necessarily haunting her, it's more of her guilt. And I really liked all of that. Just how you guys feel. Uh
2: Hugo Alexis? <laughs>
0: um no i mean i i I agree with every word of what you said uh this is kind of uh maybe what flanagan and his type of horrors uh best known for at least at this point is every ghost you know not just being a ghost but obviously being symbolic of a very real thing that uh the characters are going through if not ghosts that were created by you know some of what they would feel would be mistakes or, or their guilt it was uh, tragic and you said that you know a, a few minutes ago you were saying that you know this this love thing with with uh danny ended tragically the poor thing it always kind of was from the very beginning uh in that way because i mean like it's not as if like these two are just fiancés they've they grew up together they've been best friends and it's heartbreaking for him because this is someone who he always thought he would be together with in a romantic way and we didn't see the conversation they had i i guess it was assumed that she revealed her feelings although not saying it explicitly and he kind of understood it and i don't know and there there could have been a lot of, you know, confusion, frustration and anger colliding at the same time with him, which, of course, caused him to break out of the car and then, you know, basically walking straight to his death at that point. Um, But uh, I guess, of course, what it means for Danny going forward, it, it was just too much to bear. And she just got the fuck out of that place and she just couldn't bear to be there any longer. Um. And that's where you know we catch up with her at the beginning of the series, anyway, where she's applying for the job, and then she inadvertently gets it and everything. Um, I would wonder though who she was calling in the beginning in the first episode. She was uh, out of oh, phone. I assume her mom. Yeah. Okay, although well, we never really see her, I yeah. guess, right? And no, um... no,
1: I assume it's oh, unimportant. It's just to entice you, right. like yeah. why? What is she running away from, mm.
0: basically? yeah basically yeah uh no but it it was very uh (laughs) she's been through a lot by the time we get with her in blind manner and i wonder like before that whole episode happened with the revelation did you guys have any suspicions? Uh, like, they were hinting at a relationship between her and Jamie. I think my first one the, was in the night when when they were talking.
1: Really? Oh, my God. The second Jamie walked into that kitchen, I was like, I <laughs> <"A game?" Really? laughs> Yes. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Even the voiceover, the voiceover was like, <laughs> oh, it was as if they had already met. It was something like that. And I was like, Oh, here we go. <laughs> At that the second she walked into the kitchen, I'm like, I know where they are. I heard going some people
0: this. say that they knew they were gonna go with it. I did not know until it was the night they were all staying over when they thought that Peter Quint had attempted to break into the house. Oh. And they were all getting like real close and chummy with each other and So it
1: took that- them practically
0: making out until you're <laughs> like hmm. They seem good friends. That, <laughs> that was the first hint. I mean, I just didn't think it would go in that direction because man, these girls um, are
1: the best as friends.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, forgive me. Was it that obvious? I mean, I. Uh, it was established that she had a male. Like, she, I, I assume that the person that was following her. Okay, I, mean... I guess we'll move past that. I guess I'm an idiot when it comes to like, you know, taking a hint. All right.
2: I, mean, I don't remember when I realized it, but. I think I might have been in the beginning. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't, I don't like, I don't know, assume people you know, on stereotypes, Peter. I mean, it was kind of rude to think that, you know. Wait, what? Jamie it... walked in and like, oh yeah, she's going to be a romantic interest because apparently it was so easy to tell that she was gay. I mean, I guess it was, but I didn't, that's not the first thought that I had when Wait. she walked into the damn kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're accusing me of stereotype? The
1: stereotype wasn't what she looked like or anything like that. The stereotype. Uh, that's what I
0: thought you just said.
1: No, 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 no. Uh, that's you are what putting I thought you words just in said. my mouth, sir. This, see, oh, like okay. I said Here earlier, this is what I was Here talking about the words in my mouth. You do it quite often. Well,
0: you just said when you walked in. When, when she, she walked, walked in, in was su-
1: it wasn't because right. any way she looked or the way she was dressed, it was the way it was shot, the way it was shown, it was the voiceover.
0: Oh, the voiceover!
1: All of that together, they—they were making. There, there was definitely heavy implication, but between these two characters, from from all of that, she wasn't just casually shown as w- another one of the caretakers on this lawn. She had her own specific introduction, and and, and it, it, yeah, there was there was a lot going oh. on there. So I was like. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs>
0: I did not catch that. And you know what? Went, yeah,
1: okay. She was wearing overalls. So what?
0: <laughs> well, I mean... Oh, okay. Well, I don't know whose point you proved there. I guess you <laughs> proved everybody's point. But um, th- w- what I did find interesting as that relationship unfolded was two things. Um, one, Mike Flanagan seems to really like lesbians. Um, <laughs> two, it seems to be a reoccurring thing. But on two, that's actually really positive queer representation and oh, something, God. you know, it, it, where like in most things they, they're done horribly or like they're kept in the background. This was kind of the main relationship of the series, and it was nice to see that,
1: mm-hmm. you know. No, yeah, it's great. I mean, ev- everything I look up, it's like pe- people loving the relationship. And it is, again, like I said, it, it emotionally affected me by the end. Yeah. So, yeah. And and if you're like a, a particularly emotional person that's very much into romance stories. Like I'm not someone mm-hmm. cuz you know there are people, you know. They love reading it, crying. People there are people your that love your variety is more
0: death than tragedy. Yeah, we get it. Yeah. Wait, what did she you say I can hear? <laughs> <laughs> Your taste is more death than tragedy and and No, you
1: know. no, no, no. It's it's just I don't I'm not like <sighs> See, see, there you go. You go putting words in my mouth.
0: (laughs) I know what you're saying. You're saying that that's not necessarily the thing that I am most into. Mm -hmm. But there are people who are that way and they would like this a lot.
1: And they obviously did. And I liked it. So, yeah. Oh, I I wanted to talk about something. I fuck. I keep going like, okay, I'm going to remember to say this at the very beginning of the podcast and then I forget. And then I remember like halfway through Uh so this is something I was meant to say at the very beginning when I was talking about my general feelings about Black Matter. Um, but it it does kind of weave into what we're talking about now with the ghosts and all the characters is Mike Flanagan kind of does everything that I hate about <laughs> these kind of stories on on paper, at least. So okay. For instance, you look at the original story of The Haunting of Hill House and it's very – all the fears, all the ghosts, everything is implied and and it's very much left up to interpretation by the viewer whether what they read was real or not real. And and a a lot of the horror and a lot of that comes from the implication of was it real, wasn't it real? What do you pull from that? The same can go from the original Stanley Kubrick's The Shining and also Mm -hmm. for the original story of the turning of the screw. None of it is ever implicitly stated as this is what happened because this, this, this. It's all very psychological uh, and none of it is really explained at all. Again, always up for interpretation. Mike Flanagan kind of comes in, takes these properties and says fuck that. <laughs> not only not only are the ghosts real, they're very real. I'm going to show yeah. them to you in your face and then I'm going to spend episodes explaining <laughs> how the the ghosts came to be and and why why they're real. <laughs> and not only will I blatantly heavy-handedly show you what the ghosts represent, but at the end, I'm going to tell you what they represent anyway. So so on paper, a lot of that... That's
0: kind of everything you hate. Yeah. Really, when it comes to any other property.
1: On paper, I should hate it. Like, I really, really should. But I don't. In fact, I love it. I I, Mike, I think that's why I like Man Flanagan so much, is that he's able to make me like things that I didn't think I would be able to like (laughs) like a shining sequel (laughs) that's explicit (laughs) about where the ghosts are real and you have to have the force to interact and all that shit you know and the same with Hill House and all of that and I think a lot of it comes from the fact that visually oh and that's another thing for a lot of ghosts and, and horrific beings the the whole answer is to never show them. Never show them fully, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you get glimpses of them here and there. Never show them fully and never sort of reveal what is behind said monster ghoul. And and again, Mike Flanagan says, no, fuck that. I'm going to show you (laughs) the ghost, the ghoul in full makeup glory, (laughs) CGI. And then I will spend entire episodes... Explaining the backstory of So then
0: the question becomes Mm -hmm. how what does he do specifically that makes all these things that that are basically your nemesis Mm -hmm. on anything when it comes to art or film or television, how does he find a way to make you like them whereas other places, like literally anybody else, Disney, Marvel, anyone else that would do the shit I would hate kills you for Mm -hmm. it? What's the difference here?
1: The difference is I think he's a good writer
2: uh <laughs> well I, I would have That's, thought that i would have thought maybe you liked it because he goes all in for it you know it, he's not, yes. it's not it's not going back mm-hmm. and forth like you mm-hmm. straight up know like no this ghost is right here right in front of your face you could touch it if you can or like if it lets you whatever or well this case in the show it's dangerous to if, touch them but like he doesn't go back and forth with like oh is this ghost real or not with, with hill house You know, me and my sister, we mentioned that, you know, there's some parts where it might be an illusion, the
0: ghost that they're seeing, but there's also some parts where it's straight up the ghost and all that. And I would say perhaps uh, before Peter gets in here Mm -hmm. that, you know, with with Flanagan, he actually, he provides the saucy, uh, delicious substance that we crave with these kind of things. Whereas other uh, people would be far more concerned with the spectacle alone. And it's very flimsy, and it's just there for pizzazz and flash, and it doesn't really add anything to the narrative, whereas here, it does, mm-hmm. right? Is that kind of where you're going with this?
1: Yeah, I, w- I would say there's there's a lot of merit to what both of you are saying. Like, so, f- just jumping right off- In
0: a less insulting way than just saying that he's a good writer and nobody else. Well, I mean, he is a damn good writer. Did he freeze ah, for you, too?
2: No. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's always him. <laughs> okay, he's
0: back. Okay. <laughs> all i, heard I was, was saying <laughs> sorry there the, the, was a what, what, what did you hear all i what heard hear? was insulting well i was saying it there was a little bit of a connection issue in a, in a much less insulting way than just saying oh flanagan's a good writer nobody else is flanagan is a damn good writer <laughs> but <laughs> well um, <laughs> i was gonna add on
1: to it but then you guys jumped in so i was listening to what you said but yeah i'll continue the writing part right now but to what alexa said um So, for instance, it's not just... So, take something like Dr. Sleep, for instance. It's not just going blatantly like, yeah, the ghosts are real. They are these entities that feed on them and da-da-da-da-da. He goes further and you have these scenes like the conversation between Danny and his dad in the Overlook Hotel at the end where you're able to do something like that, that you previously maybe wouldn't have been able to. Uh, He goes for it all the way. And he has something that's kind of, I would say the, the, the Flanagan chart of horror where there's specific ways he does it. So it starts off where you see these ghosts and they're creepy and they're scary And at at first, you're scared in that sort of visceral level. You would be if you saw something creepy and scary like that. Uh, Then you learn that, yes, these creepy ghost things are real. Which makes you go like, um, okay, maybe you pull back a little bit. And then he takes it the extra step further to pull back the layers of said ghost. And makes you sort of empathize. And because of that empathy, it's even more terrifying than what originally just a ghost would be, right? So, take, for instance, the lady in the lake. Starts out, it's like, ooh, creepy, you know, there's footprints going in, Uh, What's the little girl talks about the lady in the lake, there's all these implications, maybe you get glimpses of her, and then eventually you see her and she's scary, and you're like, ooh, you know, oh, that's scary. But then they go even further and you learn the backstory of the lady in the lake. And it's very heartbreaking mm. and terrifying. And and again, you're put in that same spot where you go, oh, fuck. Similar to Nell's story in Hill House where, yes, the Bent link lady is scary, but the ultimate... Ultimately, the terrifying aspect of it is at the very end when you realize that Nell herself is the neck lady. Um, it's that kind of shit that I th- feel makes it work for me. And then, of course, he he's really good, just a really good director and editor. And he his work flows really well. It's shot really beautifully visually. You know, it's well acted, well well written. So, all of that working together sort of makes me enjoy... <laughs> things in a way that were it done any other by any other person I don't think I would enjoy as much Finn (laughs) (laughs)
0: so back with
1: Danny yes Danny Torrance yes oh that that is one of the things with her that I would say visually was a little off Um. Episode four, yeah, episode four was when is the last time that you see his ghost following her, right? And it was a little abrupt. It's very obvious that the reason for it is she has his glasses, she puts him in the fire, and she's kind of. Moving on from that, you know, especially since right after she had her kissy kiss with Jamie, you know, so sort of symbolically trying to move on. But the way it was filmed, it, it I feel like it could have been filmed to give it more of a sense of finality for not only that ghost, but also that sort of chapter in her life. Because I feel mm-hmm. like a, lo- for a lot of people, they might have felt like, oh, so you know, several episodes later, they might go like, oh, I guess she's done with that whole ghost thing and her ex-fiance. Oh, okay. And I feel if they had been shot a little differently, to just give it more of a sense of finality, it would have flowed better.
2: It was yeah. kind of, it was kind of weird though that last scene, because like. You know, she, she's staring at him, you see, like, you, mm-hmm. you see the ghost and all that, and then it's just, like, the fire just, like, flames up a bit. I don't know what it did, or, like, the wind was blowing on the fire, sparks fly, and then it ends, and I was kind of like, oh, okay. So I, yeah. It, it was very abrupt, where I feel like...
0: It just feels like it was dropped, mm-hmm. then, entirely. Was
2: with like, I think maybe with him, it would have been kind of slow-paced, but then also, mm-hmm. like, give you a sense of peace with uh, yeah.
1: Danny. There would have been something either in the acting or a shot where it's a better display to the audience, like, okay, she's moving on. Mm-hmm. Or she's not going to let this haunt her anymore. And uh, yeah, I just think it could have been slightly done better. Mm-hmm. That's how I visually. Um, do we want to go all the way to the end with Jamie's story or should we? <laughs> Save that because her her end mm-hmm. story is kind of the end of the whole story.
0: Well, I guess we could circle back to that and then go to a different couple and mm-hmm. right the whole thing was structuring these on the couples. Mm-hmm. Um
1: how did you guys feel about Miss Gross and Owen?
2: Uh I actually really like their relationship um the most just because like you were saying like it there was something there, there was something that could have happened, but you know they were both. I mean, well, one of them was kind of holding them. Fate so
1: decided kind of, otherwise.
2: Fate decided otherwise, but then she was also kind of like. At least it seemed like as if she was holding back because she couldn't let go of her, um, of her past or her past. Uh, her last lover. <laughs> well, I,
1: for what from I got from it from like episode five when it really delves into like ooh. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is happening here? I think that's yeah. when I sent you guys the message where I'm like, I am Confucian. I do not know what is going on <laughs> uh, when I was watching it. it it's it's sort of implied that she was kind of a person that didn't take risks. Like, she, she wasn't living for today. Mm. Uh, so maybe someone that always assumed she would have more time. And then... When she didn't, that was kind of too, she couldn't accept that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and Owen kind of represented that. You know, I think she always sort of had a, a thing for him and him for her, but just kind of never did anything about it. And, but just always assumed like, you know, maybe one day, you know, we'll, we'll get to be together, you know, it'll, it'll blossom some, it'll happen. Mm-hmm. But because she was abruptly killed, that was, that future was stolen from her and from Owen. And her, so much of her story, you know, her uh, spoilers, her dying, <laughs> you know being thrown down the well and not realizing she's dead so kind of still existing within the world of the living kind of going in and out Mm -hmm. and not understanding what exactly has happened and episode five kind of the dream world kind of her semi coming to term or understanding that i think by the end her her story is obviously coming to terms with the fact that not only is her life over but a possible future with owen is over Mm. and
0: yeah coming to terms with that Uh, yeah that that episode in particular i was uh (laughs) with you was like what the fuck is happening (laughs) (laughs) i don't know what's going on here you know i uh, because that wonderful effect where she would like um go in and out of doors and then be transported to a different time and place seemingly and i guess for the first half of the episode i was thinking to myself oh is is this i guess her thing where she literally spends all her life just missing like these huge chunks chunks." yeah Mm -hmm. right these these huge chunks of time but then when we get to the end of the episode no she's dead and this is kind of like the whole episode is her going deeper and deeper in her dream state, which is a reoccurring thing for a lot of these people that die on the grounds to kind of like, uh, they, they get pulled into memories of their lives, uh, basically. And that's the whole episode happening here.
1: Like when that first episode started, I thought like maybe there's, there was like a time vortex
0: yeah, in, in the
1: fucking <laughs> house and like I... she's actually from i don't know like the 1800s or some shit or like or like the ghosts or like all the people that have lived there but like time is fucked up so mm-hmm. you see them but they only appear as ghosts when it's like just weird time travel fuckery going on but I no thought... it's just, she was
2: dead <laughs> i thought she was getting um like alzheimers or dementia like Owens. Oh, when's yeah. Well, it was was because uh the episode before, I think that was when Owen's mom died, and like they were saying like, oh yeah, she was getting to like the last parts of dementia or something. And I thought that was gonna ha- that was happening with her, but also because uh the way they shot that episode of her like walking through a door and just being like in a different part of time, I saw that similar thing to another show, um, Castle Rock. On Hulu. Oh, yes. I got to be honest, though, that episode on Castle Rock did it way better. (laughs) I mean, different things because, like, that with the the woman in Castle Rock, she did have Alzheimer's and all that, but I think it's a far better episode. (laughs) Uh,
1: Sissy Spacek. (laughs) What? That was the name of the actress.
2: Oh, in Castle Rock?
1: Yeah. She was the original Carrie in the movie Carrie. Have you ever seen Carrie?
2: I haven't, actually.
1: <laughs> Where they pour... Okay, never mind. Yeah, and I know what happens, but I never yeah. see it. <laughs> yeah. It's another Stephen King mm-hmm. uh, book-turned-movie.
0: Uh, so, just to yeah. have it pieced together. So, in terms of how that particular episode ends and then Hannah is looking at herself dead uh, and then her body in the well. So, is that then confirmation that Basically, Hannah died right before Danny arrived. Yeah. Yes, which and it was Peter Quint possessing Miles' body uh, that pushed her down the wall. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was insane for me. Honestly, I literally went, "Oh!" I was screaming. Fuck. I was like, "What the?"
2: Fuck? Yeah, especially because <laughs> like it was right when Danny gets there, and it's like, "Oh yeah. my god, you've been talking to a ghost this whole
0: time." Or. Right? <laughs> yeah but that also explains some other things i guess in some ways because i mean so if if she was the ghost this entire fucking time i mean good god she really uh was an amazing spy then because no one suspected at all that (laughs) i mean and i guess because i mean i think that's kind of the the thing that i'm questioning is that i guess we never see anyone hug her or touch her because they pulled a they would have, I think, I know, right? Yeah. Uh, they would have um, figured it out. And then also, there would be scenes, I think, in the first or second episode where she would be like at the dinner table, at the lunch table, but she wouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. And then she'd just take her food and she'd leave. And I wondered what that was about. And I guess subliminally, she, that was part of her acknowledging that she's dead and she doesn't want to reveal to everyone else i guess Is that she could the interact was there? with them though because
1: remember mm-hmm. she laid her head on owen's shoulders
0: right so but that would mean she was the only ghost that was able to do that because- yeah
1: but i also think it was implied that she was the only ghost that was able to do that because peter right. was pissed off like how come you can still be semi-living and it was because she was yeah, they, they had they basically explained it through Looney Tunes logic, which is <laughs> uh, she would when uh Wiley e. Coyote keeps walking over the edge of a cliff and he doesn't fall until he realizes he's over the edge and then he falls. And that's basically what it is with her. She was still somewhat human because she didn't realize she was dead.
2: Well that happened with Peter, uh, Quint. <laughs> Peter Quint. Oh yeah, because he, he kind first of died.
1: Oh yeah. That was a great that was in that episode, but that was a great um little what do you call it? Like shocking moment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. he's just talking to them and then out of the darkness, out of nowhere, she fucking voom, just mm. reaches out and grabs his neck and drags him.
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, this show, fuck? like, there's a lot of just great, great reveals. Like, I, I was wondering, like, okay, what happens if, like, the ghost, uh, the lady in the lake, like, sees them or, like, interacts with them? Like, what is she oh, doing? Oh, you found and, uh, out. <laughs> <laughs> you instantly find out, just, like, show But Golden. also, like, the dude. And, like, mm-hmm. he couldn't get out of it at all. And then, like, I love it, though. Like, he goes into the room and just walks out like nothing happened. Just, yeah, like, that was what? also kind of creepy because he's like... Wah.
1: And then they're like, oh, my God. And then a second later, he just walks out like, oh, hey, guys, you're still awake. I said, <laughs> go back to bed. And they're like, what? <laughs> what happened? It's like, Are do you, you okay? not remember?
2: <laughs>
1: Did you just not remember getting choked the fuck out <laughs> by this ghost? Oh, my God. That was great. That great. But, oh, I, I forgot to mention, because I loved this little review uh, with, um, what's her name? Miss Gross. The the crack <laughs> on the walls that she would yes. see everywhere and then they were revealed to be the crack in at the bottom of the the well mm-hmm. that she she's staring her dead body staring at probably the last thing she saw mm-hmm. uh, that
2: was like a now moment really of the, yeah, of that the was, show
1: i thought that was great i really mm-hmm. liked that um
0: No, but to the overall point of Hannah and Owen, uh, at least how how I felt about it, that was another one of those where I was like a little late to catch on. Oh, they have a thing for each other. (laughs) (laughs) And I could tell it was basically spelled out to me. Um, Yeah, they were also hinting a a little bit that that she was fond of him, although uh, clearly more than what I had suspected initially. But it is nice and then also just tragic right Mm -hmm. and it's it's interesting is that ever really explained i guess is that that the reason why she was the only ghost able to hold on and have some kind of physical realm to her
1: yes at least that's the Mm -hmm. explanation that the show gave (laughs) okay um does it make much sense
2: (laughs) yeah
0: talking about ghosts yeah
1: <laughs> ghosts don't have logic to them so who, who mm-hmm. gives a fuck this logic worked uh, well enough for yeah.
0: me <laughs> yeah and also just like what a bad week for owen uh oh. lost his mom and then losing hannah like literally the next day so yeah not not fucking great mm-hmm. um no but that was a wonderful episode and a great twist with hannah uh, shall we transition to um, the jackass and the teacher? <laughs> it's a bit harsh.
2: Yeah. Just
1: because he's British? It? Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, it I don't think it's harsh. I don't know about the jackass.
1: Just because he's British.
0: <laughs> he's Scottish. He's Scottish. Uh, I will say, though, I think it was a bit thick, if you're going to ask me. That accent was maybe too much. Um, actually, bring an actual Scotsman in to do that accent but uh for being real but it was a little like I don't know he sounded heavy I don't know the thing is it was weird anyway but he was he was mean mm-hmm. alright he, he was kind of a I mean he's all, I mean I think that was polite calling him a jackass he did kill Hannah yeah. he did Did we forget yeah. that I mean and he really and he also killed the love of his life drowned her
1: Yeah. so yeah I'm not disagreeing with you.
0: Well, I, I don't. I thought I was getting the sense that there was some pushback. <laughs> no, they Like no. calling him a jackass. Um, all right. I,
1: I, I enjoyed their relationship because again, it, it's a different kind of it's toxic love. Thing. Yeah. And. and This whole thing of like her, you know, she's a career woman, she's going places, and then him, you see why he is the way he is. He's still a piece of shit, but he's an empathetic piece of shit, to a certain degree. Mm. And he's kind of a broken person that can't help but break the people, kind of a Bojack horseman.
0: Oh, but Bojack's likable. I didn't find Peter Quint likable. That's just me. I'll just put it out there. He... Yeah. Alexis
1: the man-hater over here.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, But no, I found their relationship very interesting. And again, tragic. A lot of the show is sad. Yeah. <laughs> well, like we just <laughs> said before. What are their names? It's Jessel, Miss Jessel, and... Peter Quint Peter and Quint. Rebecca Jessel. Rebecca Jessel. I like Miss Jessel. I'm being respectful. <laughs> uh, Quint and Jessel. Yeah, like you said, the way that they... He used her, basically, to try to escape, murdered her, to not be alone. Uh, at the beginning... I think at the beginning, you kind of didn't know he was an asshole, right? I think in the very beginning when they were first getting together. So you're like, Oh, it's kind of cute. They're getting together. But then by the very, <laughs> very quickly, he starts to reveal himself for as shitty as he is. Um, Yeah. I, I enjoyed the story. I did. I, I don't know. How do you guys feel? Uh,
0: to an extent. I think it was, I mean, I, I get the point of it. I was just kind of getting annoyed. <laughs> in the middle of it, um, what annoyed even more annoyed even more annoyed when uh, it, it resulted in him being the reason why she died. It kind of annoyed at her, quite frankly, uh, for falling for that. Yeah, um, it was just it just it bugged me a little bit. But either way, it ended up going to a place where they, there was still something interesting with those two. I guess in their ghost versions, because they ended up being, I guess, more prevalent in. Uh, at least roping in, uh, what what are the names, Miles and Flora. And it turns out that, I guess, they were speaking to them the entire time, at least since at the point where Danny showed up and why they weren't as uh, afraid of all the ghosts Mm -hmm. at that point because they were familiar with what – and they were trying to help, I guess, their friends in some ways. So it it does, I feel – explain a lot of their behavior almost instantaneously for because i mean we haven't spoken much about flora and miles but they were very shady the entire fucking show (laughs) up until that point where things i mean you, you could chalk it up to like tragedy after tragedy but there was a lot more going on there especially with the sociopathic tendencies of miles uh every now and then um but when it came to the relationship with Peter and and um, Miss Jessel, it was nice. It, it, it I think it may have wore out its welcome after you realize uh, Quint was a fucking asshole. So, mm-hmm. but that's kind of the that, point too. No, it is, and I'm not uh, I'm not being critical of it. I guess it's just a matter of me just being annoyed by that person's presence. Uh, well, what I really liked about it um, was
2: that it, they they try to tell you like why or like i don't know how to explain it like you clearly see like why this relationship was toxic you know like it was, it was horrible but I also like try i liked how they try to explain what a real relationship should be and i'm not i'm not talking about like seeing the other people i like that scene with um uh what's their names again rebecca and hannah Uh, talking at the chapel thing or whatever and hannah says there's a difference between feeling good and feeling alive and just kind of like that little explanation of like this is the difference like of what love should be you know that it's like my first thought when she said like feeling alive and i'm like oh yeah that makes total sense because like one other place you can feel alive is like at an edge of a cliff you know and that's exactly what quint did to her in the end as i kept pushing her pushing her to the edge and he ultimately did like just shove her down basically and i kind of like that story i guess of their relationship as it tries to really tell you like this is not right
1: (laughs) i also like uh what jamie told her when he went missing where she was like hey you got like basically kind of in a fucked up way, like take advantage of his death go <laughs> go talk- go talk to uh what's his name there's an opening now, like <laughs> you can secure your future right now, get that back basically um i it's kind of insensitive in that moment, but i it was the right advice, I feel.
2: <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> if it came Especially from a genuine place. Hindsight. It, it mm-hmm. came from a place of trying to help her, not trying to kick her while she's down. Mm-hmm. I think it. I think it did. It didn't come off entirely insensitive. I think obviously, uh, Jessel had her priorities in mind on other things. But I mean, we're talking about I mean, even if you know, eighty-seven or not. It, I mean, nineteen eighty-seven or not, which is the year that this takes place uh that that's the way the world works especially for women in that occupation so i mean hey get yours when you can (laughs) um it was funny i
1: was (laughs) i was gonna start talking about uh what's his name god that's the thing with this huge cast there's so many names (laughs) Uncle Henry? Uncle Henry. Do you guys want to talk about Uncle Henry?
0: Sure. Um Yeah. (laughs) David, you
2: wanna go? (laughs) Uh, I I don't know much there's not really much to say about Uncle Henry. Like I uh his again, I mean all of them all of them are sad, but like (laughs) what his was kind of troubling is that he never really got I mean, from what we saw, at least in the show, he never really got love at all, you know? Like, the love that he had with this... What was it? His brother's wife? Yeah. Yeah. With that, like, it wasn't... Again, it was also toxic. It wasn't right at all. And then just kind of, like, him losing everything that he had and just never really had that courage to... um, uh, Like... Get the love that he kind of wants with the uh, with the kids, and yeah, it was it was tragic, but it was interesting.
1: <laughs> I I actually really liked this story, and again, this is there are so many little things they set up early on that they pay off later, which is cool to see. The way that there's someone calling the house and not mm-hmm. answering. And you know everyone yeah. there assumes yeah. that it's uh, Peter Quint. Peter Quint, right? but it's actually him calling, trying to work up the nerves to finally speak to what we find out is Flora, his, Flora, his daughter, to to talk to the kids. Because mm-hmm. the whole time you think he's just an asshole. Because <laughs> the in the first episode when he's doing the interview. With uh, Jamie, not Jamie. What's her name? Danny. Danny. He, he comes off like a dick, and, and his mm-hmm. whole thing is like, I don't care about them. Fuck them, kids. I don't care about them, kids, unless they're dead or dying. Do not call me. I'm not going to the house. <laughs>
0: he literally said that, didn't he? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's like okay, this asshole. Uh, but when you get to his episode, you understand what's going on with him, and and you understand why it is he feels that way he's not well <laughs> he's not and well, he is kind of an asshole but he doesn't have anger or hatred or even indifference towards the kids he has nothing but love towards the kids especially mm-hmm. flora it's just that you find out he entered into an affair with his brother's wife the, you know, they go into the whole thing where the brother found out and eventually cut him off from the family, said, you know, fuck you, I hate you, we're done, we will never be brothers, you know, you're not an uncle anymore, you're nothing to me. And then him and his wife trying to patch things up, who he did love. That's that's also what's interesting. He mm-hmm. and that, Why I say I don't think he's a total dick, because he didn't just, oh yeah, sleep with his brother's wife because he could or whatever. He seemed to genuinely love her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, It's just one of those things where it's... <laughs> s- and she, him. Yeah, and she, him. It, it's one of those fucked up situations, unfortunately.
0: Uh, and of course, you know, they end up dying. While trying to repair mm-hmm. the mess that was made, literally. <laughs> that was the purpose of that trip, which left the kids, you know, orphans, basically. Mm-hmm.
1: And so he's having difficulty facing those demons, basically. And again, very on the nose, because <laughs> even the the brothers, like the only the only one you'll be left with is yourself, and, mm-hmm. and you'll understand, you know. And he's a real piece of shit, ain't he? And and his his guilt is is the ghost of himself, basically talking to himself like, "Oh yeah." you're you're you are a piece of shit and then this is where visually i feel it could have been done better because the whole point i think this is based on off another henry james story where it's supposed to be like a smiling doppelganger it's always smiling and they kind of have uh the actor smile a lot when he's the other one but he's not like scary he's literally just another version of him, but just trying Mm -hmm. to smile. Like there's that one shot where he's making out with his brother's wife. And then she sort of like pulls back and then his twin pulls in and like smiling at him all close. And it's supposed to be creepy, but it's just kind of goofy.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Cause it's literally
1: just the actor going like, Ooh, like say (laughs) cheese. (laughs) And this is where I think visually, They should have just gone for it a little bit more. They should have given him, like, prosthetic, like, big-ass smile. Like, Mm. something similar to, like, Jack Nicholson's uh, Joker. You know what I mean? Where it's kind of... Mm. Less goofy, more haunting. Yeah, more haunting, more creepy. Disturbing, Yeah, disturbing. I I think they should have gone for that because... And and just add that underlying level of creepiness to it. Because... as the way they did it there was just, I think visually just did not work at all. And again, I feel maybe if Flanagan were more involved, he might've gone that
0: route. Mm -hmm. That's one of my, yeah. No, I think uh, I enjoyed a lot of um, Uncle Henry, uh, especially when we're, when it's revealed about you know the affair he had and the guilt that he's been carrying, it, it made much more sense than what was initially there on the surface. You're right about that. I really love Henry Thomas. I'm happy that Mike Flanagan keeps getting giving him work, where yeah. in a lot of the industry kind of pretends he doesn't exist anymore. And he's a really good actor, and people just forget that, it seems. Mm.
1: I, I like him. I, I, I like that he's getting work. I like that he's appearing in shit that I want to see. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Keep casting. Also, it, right. And, and I mean, it, it seems as if um should haunting continue as an anthology series. Uh, good move. I think you know. It's. It, I, I thought it to be perhaps a tad bit risky considering how a lot of these, especially since you, you think of uh, at least to me, uh, Victoria uh, Victoria Pedretti, uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen, and Henry Thomas were such. Uh, Big uh, figures in the haunting of Hill House. I thought it a bit risky to bring them back and play different main characters uh, for Blind Manor because, I mean, it's the same face. Um, but no, I think it. It not only I think works to what a what a great story that was crafted with Blind Manor, but also the powerhouse of these actors that they were able to create completely different characters mm-hmm. with the same face. But but you, you, when you see that, you don't you can definitely tell the difference between, you know, Nell and Danny and all the other ones for sure. But yeah. Good actors and they may be back again. And and they weren't the only three that were back from Hill House. There were other ones. I know that oh, yeah. the, the 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 mom that played Olivia in Hill House was older Jamie, the one that was narrating a lot of these. I wanna say that the one that played Theodosia, Theodora, Theodosia, that's Hamilton. Theodora <laughs> <Theodosia>. uh, Theo <laughs> Theo. I I she was playing uh what's her name? Viola? Viola, uh, the in, lady of the lake. Can we dive into that real quick? What did we make of that episode? That whole like oh, background kind of thing. hmm I, it was, I great. was surprised. I I I was going to be like, oh god, we're doing this the entire thing. No, but it was pretty great. What was so cool about that is
1: episode seven ends on that huge ass cliffhanger of yeah, her just boom grabbing Jamie, and you're like, oh fuck, and then all of episode eight. Is just the backstory, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you, she grabs her, and you're, and all of a sudden, you're face to face with the Lady of the Lake. You know, she's been built up this whole series, and then right when you face her, that's when they take the time to go back and establish, okay, who is she? What is she about? Why is she here? And then, of course, it ends. You know, right back at the end of episode seven, like now that you know how fucked jamie is let's return (laughs) let's let's go back to see how she's doing but no the the fact that it was in black and white mostly narrated Mm -hmm. it really was mostly narration and and yeah it was a good little story you know about these two sisters and again the the love they seemingly somewhat shared for the same man and it was also it was heartbreaking and it was terrifying. Like, yeah. <laughs> when it came to the end, where you know, almost every night she would walk, she would wake, walk to her former uh, bed, hoping to see her husband and her daughter only to be realize what happened, be heartbroken and go back and repeat that night after night year after year for decades and centuries and then literally
0: centuries yeah
1: and then to have her memory fade and just kind of be a husk of a thing like she's kind of no longer human she's just left with these very um visceral emotions of sadness and longing and that's just Everything that's left of her, I—that's terrifying, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's heartbreaking, and it's—it's it's what I come to see when I look at these uh, haunting works by Mike Flanagan. I really enjoyed it. I don't know, how'd you guys? No, uh, no,
0: yeah, go ahead, David.
2: Uh, no, I really like the backstory of the Lady of the Lake and just kind of how. It, like both life and death she's just kind of being tortured almost and i like that it was her downfall or like her becoming like this um spirit was because she was brought um she like rose to the top on her own and it just all kind of went crumbling down very very slowly you know she she got this sickness she couldn't be around her daughter like at all for so many years she's just watching her grow up in the distance and then when just kind of like and they just being betrayed by her sister <laughs> and all that and then i like when you see her in the in the room or like in the casket i guess or you know and they keep repeating the line of like she sleeps she wakes she walks she sleeps she wakes it's like and it's so great. And then I loved I love the part though when she she just kinda went but the thing that like kept her going was the hope that like one day the door will open and she'll see her daughter like all grown up, probably married and all that. And like I, I love that she like she's having she like she puts a dress over her and she's waiting by the door, like is it gonna be today? Is it gonna be today? And then she sees her sister again opening it and i of and I, and you get fine to get the explanation of the ghosts after that basically of uh, the, per, the person in the attic is her sister uh the kid in the basement i think was it mm-hmm. it was just someone that she took on one of her uh nightly walks and then <laughs> i was actually more excited about the it's the guy with the mask the the dog oh yeah I was actually more excited about that I'm like oh my god the plague it's, it's doctor him. yeah <laughs> that was just funny what I think is really cool comparing Blind
1: Manor to Hill House is visually how different the ghosts look it, but also there's story and character and thematic reason for that I like how the ghosts in Blind Manor all are sort of have faded away faces and dolls you know they're faceless uh Which, of course, looks very creepy, but then there's, when you understand why there is, there's just this horrific implication behind it, which makes you go, like, fuck, just empathizing if you were stuck in that situation that they were. God, like, how terrifying that would be. And honestly, this is kind of off track, but... No what I, I feel like no one ever talks about this the concept of ghosts is terrifying right like there's a lot of people <sighs> that want ghosts to be real and i'm like why why would you want ghosts to be real like what if you become a ghost and and you're you're tied through some otherworldly void to the place you died for all of eternity like that's not good that's that's fucking <laughs> hell. That's terrifying. Why would you want ghosts to be real? <laughs> okay. That's my spew, but yeah. Main point was
0: about I this, guess what how they, visually different. I guess the they think are. that ghosts I guess they mean they think that ghosts can exist and do whatever the fuck they want and haunt for fun. I guess that's what people think would be what real-life ghosts are. Uh,
1: That's not the way a lot of ghosts are portrayed
0: (laughs) or implied to be. Suffering. For all of time.
1: Yeah. Why would you... (laughs) Why in the fuck would you want that? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah,
1: if they ever do do another one of these hauntings, I would hope that they continue that of visually distinguishing themselves from the others again like i said he didn't try to do the same
0: thing he he definitely tried to do different the 1600s right is when this took place this episode
1: yeah i believe I don't so i remember
0: <laughs> think think it was the 1600s um yeah a lot of shit happened um in that time uh that we were you know following viola i think it was kind of demented if not like just creepy how her sheer will to live kept her alive long after she should have died
1: yeah the way they try to explain it, like the whole gravity well thing and not only did it keep her there but it kept everyone who died there um it's, what I like about it is it's heartbreaking, but it's very, um, it, it, it feels like almost a fairy tale or like, you know, it sort of tales that are passed down sort of thing. Like, mm-hmm. think of like La Llorona, you know, like, oh, she was so sad, you know, she, her, she drowned her own children and now she walks everyday you know crying for her children mis hijos you know all that it, it kind of those those kinds of ghost stories this is sort of a throwback to that and i really i really like it and the way it's told obviously as well
0: also it's creepy to see long after the manor had been abandoned it being used to house, like, all of these sick and dying people when there was an outbreak, I guess, of the plaque. The, was it Black Death? The, the plague. Bubonic plague, is that what they had? Is that mm-hmm. what she had?
1: No, no, she no, had the lung.
2: Yeah.
0: As they called it. Oh. Yeah, it was just creepy. Mm-hmm. Being reminded of how horribly people died that way in those times. <laughs> in those times. You know, it's just a little surreal. Well, people die horribly in every time, but I mean, in that specific way, Um, in that specific time, how basically that's how uh, the hospitals would be set up. Of course, we have that now with coronavirus, and that's a different, I guess, plague, if you want to call it that, Um, in that regard, you know, but it was definitely sad with Viola. Uh, Do we want to wrap around with uh, Miles and Flora before we wrap up with Danny and Jamie? Any comments about those two?
2: Uh um well yeah i already said though i really like their relationship uh they clearly care about one another especially um the brother he tries to protect uh flora like as much as he could and i love that bit of the episode where he was in uh, like some boarding school whatever and you know he tried to do like just horrible things really to try to get expelled and just go back to her to protect her from i guess the house and my favorite honestly my favorite moment of the show was that scene it was after owen's mom's funeral and they were having dinner and then flora just goes you're not dying you know like basically comforting him oh yeah that bit was honestly the best and i that little girl was an amazing actress in that moment just because the way she explained it like you're not dying like i felt that way just incredibly depressed after my parents died and i thought i could not never get out of it and just kind of like the way she dealt with their death and it's it was cool but then also kind of sad uh later on because <laughs> you realize what she meant uh what she meant by they're not really gone it wasn't like her being like oh they're still in, with us in our hearts no she meant like no literally we're gonna get possessed and, and we're good but we're gonna be with our <laughs> parents forever in memory like but it's still a nice moment <laughs> especially like with um all the grown-ups they're watching her and they're just kind of like dang <laughs> those are some wise words <laughs>
0: it was shocking mm-hmm. uh and also very appropriate with uh you know how owen was feeling in that time yeah in that particular moment anyway you're right uh but overall the performances especially by flora uh the actress that I played Flora, was outstanding mm-hmm. uh really really exceptional uh when it came to all of it um Alright, uh... Shall we stick the landing as they say? Peter, you wanna... Handle this? Sure.
1: So... Mm -hmm. The ending, of course, is... The Lady of the Lake... Fucking comes out of nowhere... Snatches the Mm -hmm. fuck out of Jamie... Not Jamie... Danny. Danny. Keep getting them confused. (laughs) Uh, Flora, in order to save... Danny gets, tries to get the, the Viola's attention and Viola, remembering her daughter, you know, takes, takes Flora. Flora. And, you know, everyone's basically trying to stop her, but she's, she's the ghost terminator. (laughs) No one can stop her. So at the very last minute, uh, Danny does that thing. It says the thing that we have been shown throughout the show. They use to welcome spirits into themselves, so to speak. You, you, ba- you basically have to offer yourself up onto the spirit. And it's something like, it's you, it's me, it's us. She does that with Viola and welcomes Viola into herself. And through doing that... She instantly breaks the, I guess you could call it curse, mm-hmm. that befell the house. And immediately when that happened, all the spirits were freed to leave. And somewhat of a happy ending. Everyone lived. Well, not everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's a <laughs> bad way to put it. Everyone left
0: <laughs> alive lived, mm-hmm. for the most part, minus one. Mm-hmm. That's a bad way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Most of everyone lived. Mm-hmm. And the ones that died were able to move on in peace. The uncle,
1: you know, came for the children. It showed child after that, you know, he decided to be their primary caregiver and actually raise them and, and have a, a relationship with them. Jamie and Danny decided to uh, start a life together. And all while knowing that Viola, the lady in the lake, was inside of her and one day, it would overtake her. So, you know, you sort of see them live their life one day at a time through the years, one year to two to five, you know, so on and so forth. You learn that the kids have no recollection of their time at Bly Manor other than they used to go there during Mm -hmm. the summers. Uh, and eventually,
2: Just, uh, honestly, that was insane. I was like, "How could <laughs> yeah. you forget everything that happened there?"
0: <laughs> but yeah, that that part I don't know. That left a little, left me a little bit cold. Although I mean, good for them. Uh, I, I guess there are. I guess the way to explain it is that some things are so traumatic you forget. But also, David, you're right. Like, how the fuck could you forget that? Mm. And then also like, so. <laughs> Danny kind of saved them and now they don't even remember who she was so there's that yeah. also
1: uh, I believe it kids sort of com- compartmentalize and put away tragic shit all the time
2: well
0: mm. look at the Haunting of Hill House
2: yeah yeah Well, that's kind of uh, the
1: opposite. That's the never leaving them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's not necessarily true. But they all remembered their past differently. At least they all treated it differently, and they all were in. Some of them were in denial about what happened. Some of them chose to just move on from it.
2: Yeah, to certain Mm
0: -hmm.
1: extent. Um, Yeah. So we come to realize. Oh, you even get to the point where they're able to get kind of married in the United States. I don't think they could get married. It was more of a...
0: It was a civil union. Civil union. Right,
1: right, 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 right. So, you know, all that levy-dovey, beautiful, nice things relationship. Uh, mm-hmm. But it gets to the point where Viola is, in fact, taking over Danny and she feels it and she can't hold it off any longer so one night she just leaves back to the manor and jamie runs after her she goes she follows her back to the manor and throws herself into the lake where uh danny has become the new lady of the lake and she begs her you know it's you it's me it's us to be pulled in with her basically but she refuses and it's really this sort of tragic love story where now danny is sort of doomed to roam the halls of bly manor every night she wakes up uh, but she's a different ghost cuz it she's sort of a combination of danny and viola and and there is this sort of it's it's not even an implication. It's openly stated that no more souls were were taken and trapped in the manor. She's a uh, she, she's Casper the friendly ghost, so to speak. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then every and then we pull back to the and then you realize, oh yeah, this was a story being told at a, at a wedding party, and everyone's just like fuck. <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs>
1: like damn first of all you said it would be long we don't know it'd be eight hours long second that's <laughs> sad as shit so now i'm tired sad and i gotta drive home like what the fuck lady I- i'm sure all of this is going through their mind because it'd be going through mine too so. uh, <laughs> and it's it's a, f- a lot of things happened pretty quickly in that last episode So you realize that the one telling the story is, in fact, Jamie. And the wedding is for Viola and her husband. And it's sad and heartbreaking. And you realize, to this day, Jamie still uh, leaves the door open and the water uh, in the tub next to her on, full of water, in the hopes that some way, somehow... Uh, her lover would come back to her to quote a oh, Willow Whaley. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's sad. It's very sad. I love mm-hmm. the ending, by the way. I thought it was great.
2: No, yeah, same. But, uh, I, I kind of liked um, Jamie and uh, Danny sort of in a way kind of took in what they saw everyone doing and just like try to like put it into their own relationship so with jamie that one day at a time thing i think that was because of uh hannah and uh owen is that his name yes yes where it's like she she wanted to take a chance uh with her and not just kind of like leave it off to the side like and leave it like a maybe it could happen type of thing like now she went for it and she later on she already says like you know what? I love you, and I want to be with you. I was like, let's make this work. And all that. (laughs) And then, Danny does a similar thing, too, where she proposes to Jamie and going, we technically can't get married, but who gives a shit? (laughs) We can wear the rings.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And you're also reminded, like, oh, yeah, like this is at a time where you couldn't even do that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like,
1: fuck, because I mean, not to brag or anything, but me, I'm no bigot. <laughs> I don't hate gay people. Uh, <laughs> That's a brag apparently but no but like no
0: that's fine i mean that's perfectly fine i mean it's not as if you're a supreme court justice bragging about getting the chance to completely annul the fact that gay marriage is allowed you know to Who be fair you? Uh, only
1: 6 of them agree with that come on now yeah <laughs> oh we're fucked but to be fair that's i know we are <sighs> my my whole thing is yeah i don't know i i i oftentimes forget like while i'm watching this i'm just like oh it's a love story right and then i, I remember like oh yeah that couldn't fly back then in mm-hmm. the united states right like you you couldn't even legally get married if you were to love someone in that way
0: well if you noticed i mean in, in a lot of uh the the stuff in their as we see their life pass on they really were not intimate in public with each other There's a reason for that, I would say. Oh, maybe. I didn't even notice that.
1: Maybe, yeah. I don't know. You didn't notice anything else, but you noticed that, Alexis?
0: (laughs) I noticed a lot of things, and similarly, you didn't notice that, so we'll see. We all have different eyes. So how did you guys feel? But I agree with you, the the ending was great. The ending was great. Mm -hmm. No, I, I, I loved it. It was actually kind of touching. I uh when you realize that the the girl she was talking to was flora i was like oh that's nice that's but also mm-hmm. kind of sad um and it was you know, nice to see everyone was left and them being happy all but but jamie um then you have that last moment where you see a hand on her shoulder mm-hmm. so
2: did you and- guys know it was jamie from the beginning, or
0: from the beginning, no, no. I didn't know because I didn't no, know who I Jamie know was <laughs> <From> the beginning. <laughs> well, yeah, true, but oh no, I didn't know it was her until like the the last moment possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> that's me. So, <laughs> but uh, like uh, when when we cut back to her from the story, it was like, oh, I I'm beginning to piece <laughs> who this person is now. Okay, yeah.
1: I was like, hmm, she does have an English accent now. <laughs> uh, this is, but I will say, I, I feel as if, even if Mike Flanagan had directed everything, I don't think he would have changed the ending. Because as bittersweet as the ending is, it's still significantly sweet, I would say. Mm-hmm. uh, Because the last shot is literally her, you know, asleep, and you see, sort of, the hand with the wedding ring, you know, still on the finger, sort of touching her. And yeah. I think, again, I, I read uh, Mike Flanagan saying when he pitched it to, I don't, know, the actors or the actresses, uh, that moment was, you know, you pull back and you see her hand, like she's she was there and she's always been there, basically. That even mm. if Jamie can't see her, she's always been there with her um so yeah i i, I don't know i i, I really like the ending i did i felt the feels for mm-hmm. sure and the whole pack the package as a whole really came together for me with that ending um, yeah
0: agreed uh how do we feel so far about how blind manner has been received getting into uh, away from the from the plot of the show into more of how people are reacting to it.
1: Follow ups are tough. They, mm-hmm. especially follow ups to something that is so well received the first time around. So the first time around, you have all this time. Maybe the ideas. For the project, have been ruminating in your mind for a long, long time. You put everything of yourself into it. And then you're like, at the end, you're like, wow, great. I accomplished it. People love it. This is awesome. Okay, great. Now, quickly, immediately turn around, do a follow-up. And not only that, you have now these massive, massive expectations placed on top of you. Because the first one was so successful. It's tough, right? You're gonna hear everywhere what we've said, which is it's really good and I enjoy it, it but it's not as good as Hill House. In which case I'm yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I, I'm totally mm-hmm. okay with that. I think a lot of people again, it's not scary, so I don't like it, which is fine, you know? If your whole point for seeing it is to try to scare yourself and it's not doing it okay that's fine but i would i don't know I, just, I still feel people should not view things that way so much if it if it's good it's good regardless of how scary or not scary it is i feel anyway and i did feel that it was good and i really
0: enjoyed it and i really really liked it so just to recap of some some people on uh in this industry, for their reactions, I'll give you a variety of them. Chris Evangelista, a uh, film critic for Slash Film, was pretty much in the in, along the lines about how, about how we covered this show, uh, which is really good follow up, not as good as Hill House for reasons and reasons. Um, he actually in his review, I read that he had a similar, uh, your similar issue, Peter, about. How they changed the line from Hill House about in Hill House you walk alone. They changed that to in Hill House you walk together. How he wasn't very happy with that <laughs> ending with Hill House. Um, Patrick Dougal, who, uh, is of Disney social media variety, but then also does work, I think, um, with some television shows that he's involved with, was saying his reaction, and I noticed this a lot on Twitter was, I want, uh, more of these haunting anthology series, it's like American Horror Story but good. That's <laughs> a lot of shade feel, being, yeah. thrown <laughs> <laughs> being thrown. Being at, thrown at American Horror Story right there. Um, and then, of course, we saved the best for last. Uh, Miss Grace Randolph is someone we'd like to, you know, mention on the shows here. And she had a interesting reaction where she and she used uh, the she was portraying the reviews for Blind Manor as being um, bad. Where I mean there were there were they weren't as good as Hill House's reviews mm-hmm. and it was showing fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, but she still labeled them as horrible reviews, and then she brought up the low box office receipts of Dr. Sleep. And she used that as evidence to say, Mike Flanagan, take a hint. Your work is too slow and not scary enough. She... (laughs) Like I told you... (laughs) And that pissed me off. (laughs) Her whole thing...
1: (laughs) I guarantee you the reviews she was talking about weren't the reviewers. She was talking about the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Her whole thing again this is why she's so fascinating Is it's all about sort of winning it's all about the business it's all about the box office right y- your quality is determined by box office if you can't make money then you are doing something wrong and you need to change it up which is so weird to me because like <laughs> <laughs> especially cuz she's like a lover of old film and i guarantee you there's so many old films she loves that probably made zero money at the box office but she like adores right like i don't
0: she's she such said, a business and on, centric and to be clear on her uh, from what i you know from what i gather on that review she enjoyed hill house she enjoyed Bly manor i believe she also really enjoyed doctor sleep uh no i don't think she liked doctor sleep Maybe not that one, but she did like Live Manor* and *Hill House*. What does she mean by his work is
2: slow? Like he's not putting a lot of stuff out, or like his story? Like, are... it,
0: like the I think she was referring to the pacing in his stories is too slow. Okay, because I... it's too slow and it's not scary enough <laughs> is what her argument that most of the masses are that's what that's they're calling for things that Flanagan is not providing. it's annoying it's aggravating and i hate that she perpetuates that but you know what i hate more is i can't help but feel in the back of my mind she might have a point in that most people might agree with her when she says that i mean agree with her i mean the masses might agree that what they look for in works like a blind manner and a doctor's sleep is to be scared every single minute. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I say my worst fear is that I think what, what gets me upset when she said that is she may have a point in that the masses agree with her and that they demand to be scared and for not to like For the work. And and, and Peter has made the point that it doesn't matter what genre you're in, audiences, large audiences, general audiences are very unforgiving to a very slowly paced anything, even if it's a slow burn. People have this weird thing where, um, if you are moving at a slow snail pace or even at a moderately slow pace, they use that as an example of why your work they use it actually as a criticism. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was slow. So it wasn't as good as it should have been. Just because it was slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, modern
1: on- audiences don't... <sighs> For the and most I've part, used... they're not cool with slow movies.
2: I mean, I've used that before. Like, it felt slow paced. Of A movie felt slow paced. But when I mean that, I mean that like... Right. The and, I, the- and
0: so have I and so has Peter. But I think that we have reasons for having issues with the pacing because mm-hmm. it, it comes at the detriment of something else in the piece of work. What I'm saying is just if audiences detect that something is moving slow, it doesn't matter if it's for a story reason. It doesn't matter if it pays off in the end. If they see something slow, they get bored and mm-hmm. they lash out it doesn't matter what the reason is. Am I wrong saying that? I feel like that's kind of what most audiences react in when they feel as if something is slow. Oh, it doesn't matter what reason it is. It's bad.
2: No, I I agree. That's exactly what they think. (laughs) (laughs) To
1: a certain extent, I, I would say audiences are not forgiving towards slow films.
0: They're also very unforgiving, uh, uh, perhaps more so than a comedy having no laughs, as you mentioned before, Peter. But remember the whole situation with Mother a few years ago? They're very, and Hereditary also, which was so weird. They're very unforgiving to horror films that are not scary enough. Because Hereditary got a horrible cinema score rating a few years ago. And it also boggled my mind because you didn't think that was scary? <laughs> <laughs> and of of course you know the whole mother situation yeah Mm. so uh, general audiences uh we usually spend a lot more time talking about them in our podcast but because there have been no movies this year there's been next to no reason to even mention them but that's kind of uh you know you you right or wrong that's just kind of what the tastes are and um i guess my concern is well and, and then also to add on with what grace was saying she was saying that um netflix should really take creative control from flanagan if they want to greenlit a third season because he can't be trusted anymore with hill with well yeah to her every, that's what she's like our, i said
1: everything is about the the, the money I, and I guess to assert, I don't know. Again, it's just weird to me because I, to me, she the says busy- that
0: he requires supervision.
1: Well, yeah, to make it, sure, it's scary. But again, I think the opposite is probably necessary. <laughs> I think he needs more involvement, not less. <laughs> mm. But also, yeah, as I've said before, her whole thing is always about the business side of it. And it doesn't matter how good or bad a film is. If it's successful, that's good. And they should keep pursuing that. And if it's not successful, they shouldn't. Which again, if you're a business exec, I understand why you would think that way. But if you're just like a fan of movies, I certainly, I just want good films. I,
0: I don't know. <laughs> right. Um. So I guess, and this is I think an uncomfortable question to ask. Should we expect Netflix to renew this, no. considering how things are with the pandemic? No, I wouldn't. Are you saying it's not, or are you just you're not, you're not you're not really hoping anymore? You, I mean, you I, like no, you I, I would like to see
1: a third go around, but I just don't think it will get one.
0: I think we all would want one, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah.
2: Mm. i don't know i don't think i don't think we're gonna get one anytime soon but maybe like way later on i don't know because i feel like they got something with uh what's his name the writer mike flanagan, flanagan? yeah like, well isn't
0: uh, he still working with netflix on something else
2: yeah he's been he's made a bunch of stuff for netflix though, so, right has not he right he has but it, yeah so Peter mentioned
0: like- he was filming something right now do we know if that's for netflix it
2: probably I, is.
0: I don't know. But
2: like I feel like he has something good with Netflix, and Netflix definitely has something good with him. Um I don't think again, like I don't think we'll be seeing another haunting show in a while,
0: but I have to say this was not the responses I was expecting. Yeah. I, I, I was expecting like something a little bit more optimistic with at least one more season with haunting. At least for me, if anything, you would get one more and that would be it because Netflix seems to throw away their shows after three seasons for so you know, unless it's like, unless it's bringing uh, in subscribers every year.
1: That, that's the thing. When it comes to Netflix, it's not good enough to maintain your audience. You have to expand it.
0: Because it's a subscription mm-hmm. service and that's the bottom line is your show is valuable. Not 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 just on how popular it is, but on how many new subscribers it brings in, which is a different calculus than most TV shows anywhere. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's completely different than how it, it used to be done on, on cable, right? If you were mm-hmm. popular, great, you keep going. You know, you want to maintain that popularity. Here, if you have one season of the biggest show in the world and everyone, you know, subscribes because of it, but then the second season rolls around and you maintain but you don't add any new subscribers cancelled, boom, finished, and i I don't think blind Manor added any new subscribers
0: and so. I mean that would be one thing if it were by itself, but you also have to factor in the pandemic. Netflix did announce that they were spending so much more money, but their their priorities are just not with this, and they also unrenewed a bunch of shows that were previously scheduled to come back but because of covid they were just canceled and left in the dust um and it seems as if that that may be where we are with Blind manor uh wow this wasn't how i planned to end the show kind of like well that was nice but it's canceled but maybe it is Better to be safe than sorry than just expect the worst, because I mean, I don't know why would we expect the third season, you know, with all the stuff that Netflix has been kind of like throwing out the window if we're being real here. So it wouldn't be surprising in the least, but it would be sad because it is a really great show. I I think it is like the best horror television series I've ever seen. And yet we are where we are. (laughs) Hmm. oh boy but in any case uh congratulations to the cast and crew uh another job well done uh ultimately it was i think a a success from a quality perspective and we definitely encourage you all to uh watch the haunting of blind manor for your horror themed month uh before we leave you we want to remind you of what we have coming up for the rest of october uh cannot believe we're nearing the end of the month already it seems as if we just begun but we have one more to go with our bootacular as peter has called it uh we have an audio commentary for dr sleep coming up the next week And then on to the table, we have The Orphanage, which was a Guillermo del Toro produced film directed by J.A. Bayona, a Spanish language film from what I'm told. And we also, of course, have our current reviews of The Sixth Sense and Poltergeist, both of which I just saw this month. And I think we had wonderful conversations on those, as well as our previous review of The Haunting of Hill House. And so on and so forth. I will say uh, real quick, I also want to give people in advance about the stuff that we're planning for November. Uh, I wasn't conf- consulted, but I will say from what Kyle Lyra told me is in November, Fantasy Fair is going to have a Muppet-themed month uh, covering <laughs> films from The Muppet Movie, Muppet Treasure Island, Muppet Take Manhattan, The Muppets, and Muppets Most Wanted are among the films that will be covered, so... I mean, I love the Muppets, so I can't wait to hear that content. And then for Red Spotlight, we will be uh, doing two things. It is our Guillermo del Toro themed month. Peter is finalizing the list of entries of which films of the work of uh, the directed works of Guillermo del Toro that will be uh, for our annual November deep dive into a filmmaker, how we did last year with the Scorsese files. And then also... To keep a little bit of TV in the program, we'll be reviewing The Good Place uh, by Michael Shore, uh, which aired on NBC and actually finished airing uh, earlier this year. Uh, We'll be doing two podcasts covering two seasons each. Um, I will say this is one of those where David and Peter uh, had been watching the show for a while. I recently watched it, and you'll get to hear all of our thoughts. Coming up in November. So, a lot of content. Reminder Red Spotlight podcasts drop every Sunday, sometimes on Thursdays, and Fantasy Fair on Friday, and To the Table on Wednesday. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you, Peter. And we'll catch you under the spotlight next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.